This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige and engineering first. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello, welcome back to the World's Best Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Fred Mills, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Luke Bly and Liam Marsh. How you doing, guys? Kia ora, fellas. How's it going? Do you know what uh, what that means, Luke? Uh, no. Greetings? Is it like <laughs> I mean, shalom or something? <laughs> yeah, similar, mate. That is, uh, you know, since we're talking about Auckland this week, it's uh, hello in Maori. Thought I'd bring you oh. up to speed. Oh, Oh, beautiful, mate. Beautiful. Uh, mm. h- how is it down in Oceania? I'm not going to say New Zealand because obviously you don't live there, but yeah, it's you good, are mate. from there, aren't you? It's always good, man. Yeah. Having a good time over here. How, yeah. uh, how are things beautiful. over in the UK, guys? Yeah, all good. All good. Oceania was uh, a club in Kingston-upon-Thames circa 15, 20 <laughs> years ago. Had some, uh, had some good nights out there on the old <laughs> sticky carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Very is it, is, it, is it Oceania or Australasia? Which one is it? I was Hang taught on. Australasia we, at school. Yeah, I think I think you say both. Uh, Fred, I thought you pronounced it Oceania. We created a video <laughs> a couple of years ago on the B1M and Fred kept saying Oceania. And me, me and some of the um, Southern Hemisphere people in the office were like, what are you talking about, mate? It's Oceania. <laughs> Oceania was, was what I said. I've heard people say Oceania. Before yeah, mate. Oceania, maybe makes in club. I just say Australasia. <laughs> yeah, it's a Surrey thing. It's de- definitely, definitely well, a Surrey thing. <laughs> well, I tell you, the, um, like, some of your Maori pronouncements. Yeah, auction, mate. I, I said to someone the other day, I said, "Yeah, these guys are taking the mick out of me because I said auction." They're like, "Why?" I was like, they, they, "Apparently, it's not how you say it." I'm like, "Oh no, don't believe them." Um, I, anyway, let's not open this again. It's, it's auction. It's auction. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Speaking of uh, pronunciations, um, from some of Fred's pronunciations of some of the Maori words on this week's video, well, the video we're talking about is the most British thing I've ever heard. I can't, I can't wait for people, in, especially in New Zealand, to hear the way he pronounces them. I didn't actually. I, I it sounds nothing like it. I don't even know how you came up with like hee Fred. <laughs> You pronounce Pia. It's got an H in it. P I H A. You're like Pia Beach. Oh dear. Yes. Well, we'll just... <laughs> fun times. Fun times. There were phonetics. I'm going to try and uh, we're going to try and re-record some of them before it goes live. But yeah. <laughs> now keep them in, mate. Keep yeah, them in. I, I think just keep for them the in. fans. Absolutely. There's one you say um Waiheki, and it's Waiheki, but you say it like like a, like a little little jingle like in a. Waiheke. 
Yeah. Da, 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 wa, iki, da, da, da. Yeah. That's what I thought of when I heard the uh, when I heard the video. I was like, "Oh, Fred, yeah, yeah, you sweetheart." Thanks, yeah. guys. Thanks well, for. Uh, I wouldn't know I mean, either. I wouldn't know either, Fred. This so. from the guy with the rubbish Scottish accent and the guy who says auction <laughs> rather than auction. So you know, <laughs> people rubbish, in glass houses rubbish, throwing stones rubbish. here. Scottish accent. Rubbish. Oh, Scottish Australian. Accent. Australian. It's, it sounds a bit Scottish at times, mate. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a bit Scottish at times. What's your Scottish accent like, Luke? It's a bit of that. Um, you look Scottish, Glasgow. mate. Glasgow, Glasgow. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> What'd you say, Liam? <laughs> I said you look a bit <laughs> Scottish, mate. <laughs> yeah, I've, apparently I am a bit Scottish. Apparently, yeah. So maybe we could do a deal with like the ancestry or something and advertise for them. Or any I, other DNA people. I feel vindicated because your Scottish accent's rubbish too. So I was right. It right. turns out even before I heard right. it. Right. Mm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do one day. I'm gonna send him a voicemail doing an accent. Yeah, and he'll be like, "Oh, wasn't that good?" And I'll be like, "Ah, oh, jokes on you, Fred. It was me the whole time, mate." So I'm gonna go. do it. Proof you just you don't are know using when. you are using burner accounts to send messages into the podcast. We knew it. We knew it. Uh, well, we knew it was I'm getting correct with all the names. I'm, I'm getting correct with the names, but we'll we'll chat about that later, mate. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Coming up this week, guys, we have got Auckland's 3.2 billion dollar new underground railway, the first ever underground railway that country's ever built. Very exciting stuff. Toronto's ongoing skyscraper boom, Boston Dynamics Atlas Robot has helped out on a construction site, and the world's largest solar farm proposed in Rome. And as ever, the whole thing is going to be sprinkled with some of your awesome comments from this week. Let's go. First of this week, we are talking about Auckland's $3.2 billion new underground railway. And for the second week in a row on this podcast, we are going back to Liam's home patch. Because uh, even though Liam is based in Sydney, Australia, he's actually Kiwi and from New Zealand. Are you excited for this, Liam? I am, mate. I am. It's um, New Zealand's finally making its debut on uh, the B1M, mate. It's been a very, very, very long time coming. It is. It is. I mean, had they done something interesting before, they would have been on the podcast. But, uh, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been featured build on the stuff, New sooner if they built cooler stuff. <laughs> yeah, build, build better stuff. I think we've mentioned some of their skyscrapers before in passing. We mentioned Auckland before Ooh. in passing. But yeah, sorry guys. It's been, it has been long overdue. We're glad to doing something cool. We're glad it's on the B1M. Bit of background for people, in case you don't know New Zealand or Auckland, it is actually a full-blown country down just past Australia in the Southern Hemisphere. Auckland is New Zealand's largest city uh, located on the North Island. There's two islands, as you probably know. Um, Auckland is, as I said, largest city, home to 1.5 million people in a country of just 5 million people. So this is a pretty big urban area. But, 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 in 2021, Auckland recorded its worst ever traffic congestion. The place is notorious for bad traffic. It's very difficult to get around. That has a negative impact on the economy. It generates pollution. There's even been a study that's found it's impacted people's mental health, which is pretty, really bad. But now they're going to uh, try and solve this whole problem, not by building extra roads, not by building another road tunnel, not by just one more lane will do it. They're actually going to go and build a uh, extension to their underground well, extension to their railway system by building their first ever underground railway right through the heart of the city, through the CBD district, connecting some of the suburbs into the city centre. 
this is an awesome, exciting, very impactful infrastructure project in an area that we haven't covered before, but that is pretty awesome. What do you guys think about this? This is uh, what life's all about, isn't it, mate? It's what life's all about, you know, building new underground rail networks and metros or subways, whatever you want to call it. Um, I was surprised there wasn't a metro there already, or at least like an underground or something like that. I was really surprised at that just because of Auckland being kind of a, a, a global city, albeit a little bit tucked away from the rest of the world. New Zealand is far away. Ain't it? It is far. And I'm sure Liam knows. Does it feel, when you live in New Zealand, does it feel, although it looks picturesque and that, does it feel like it's far away from everything? Uh, yes, mate. I, I, I think so, yeah. When I, I, I grew up there, obviously, so I lived there till I was 19, and, and I lived between Australia and London um, up until now. Whenever I go back and visit, yeah, I do mm. get a sense of its... It's like a little, it feels like a little bit isolated, like a little bit cut off sometimes. Not cut off, but just, you know, a bit, yeah, a bit isolated. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And like you were saying, Fred, 1.5 million people with a 5 million population. That's like, that's like, I, off the top of my head, that's like nearly a third or around a third of the population of the country. Yeah. Like living mm. in one city. And everyone's using cars. And and I don't know, New Zealand has this reputation for multiple reasons of being like a quite a progressive forward-thinking society that does a lot of things better than places like the UK or the US or wherever. Um, but in this instance, I was like, ah, oh, I'm really surprised. This is just a very like an Americanized way of getting around the city, you know, uh twenty twenty one, like you said, with the biggest traffic congestion. That's it's it's craziness, isn't it? It's craziness. Yeah, I guess it doesn't kind of make the international news because it's not a big hitter polluter like Delhi, New York, London, you know, some of the like Mumbai, some of the massive places that are really up the charts a bit more. It's a city of one point five million, which on the world stage isn't as big as mm. other massive urban centres. What I, what I found really interesting is that way back in the nineteen fifties, Auckland actually had some of the highest usage of public transport in the world. But there was this strategic review they did in 1955, and the city's infrastructure was then like really decisively switched towards cars and to making it easy to drive and get around by car. Mm. And they just kind of kept going with that. And now you have these. I mean, we put some traffic reports and news reports in the video, and the the traffic congestion is, is horrendous. Like the, what people are going through and enduring. Um, I think what's really refreshing is, in contrast to the Western Harbour Tunnel we spoke about in Sydney last week. They're not building another road to try and solve the road congestion problem. They're investing in public transport to better connect people into the city centre. And there was that crazy stat in there around, I can't think what it was, was it like um, it's going to bring 50,000 more people within commutable distance of the city and the more frequent train services are going to double Auckland's rail capacity. So it's like 54,000 passengers an hour at peak. The same, the equivalent of 16 lanes of rush hour traffic. That for me was like the, the wow. really underlines the power mm. of using trains to beat congestion, build you know, travel more sustainably. Yeah, it's great. I like this project. Mm. And it's a it's a blank canvas for a lot of people who live in Auckland and New Zealand, ain't it? So it's 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 brand new to a lot of them. So I'm sure it's gonna be like 
Um, it's going to have some time to find its footing, to find its identity. And whereas in other cities, like whenever I was in um, LA, you know, public transport always has like a like a negative connotation to it, doesn't it? It's like, oh, no, we're not going to get like the bus. We're not going to get the train, not going to get a metro. I mean, where it's available. But like in, in other cities, like what we said last week in somewhere like London or Paris or, you know, wherever, um, there's a lot less of a stigma around tr- public transport. So hopefully, because they got to get that right as well. They can't just view this as like a way of, you know, for for lack of a better expression, but like um, as a way of just poor people moving around. You know, it's got to be for everyone and everyone's got to be able to enjoy it. I think uh, um, a, th- a thing with people taking up the public transport, um, especially in countries like Australia and New Zealand and things like that, I think it could be like a generational mm-hmm. thing as well. Because, you know, if you grow up, there's no public transport, you you rely on your car. Like myself, I, I, I've never caught public transport in New Zealand, a bus or a train once in my life. Um, and I feel it's kind of like what we're talking about Sydney with Sydney last week. I think if if the infrastructure is there to use public transport and it's convenient, right? The younger generations mm. will grow up with that and you'll use it. Um, it's like what you're saying, Luke. There probably is a mm. stigma. I know there's a stigma with me in Sydney. You know, the, the few times I've gone to catch a train, it's like the train will be here in 20 minutes or 25 minutes. I'm like, well, it's not convenient. I'm just going to yeah. get an Uber. Um. Yeah. But it's really interesting. I actually um, reached out to a friend just before we got on the podcast because um, I've experienced Auckland traffic and it's terrible. It's it's far worse than what I've experienced in Sydney. It's just gridlock takes forever, especially at peak times. And I reached out to him. He's a he's a civil engineer over there. He drives through the city every day. And um, I said, "Hey, mate, what is the um, transport, public transport, and traffic like these days in Auckland?" And I, I won't read everything that he said, but he basically said, "Horrendous and non-existent public transport." Bus driver shortage, rail closures for months on end, pushes people into cars, so there's massive congestion. Council is trying to push people to use public transport with reducing car parking all over the city, but without a working public transport system. It's really flawed. Mm. I found that really interesting. And, and no, I mean, that's literally the, the parallels with London at the moment are shocking. Like that, that, because we've got all these strikes going on at the minute, we've got so much hassle. That, it sounded like you were describing London for a moment to me. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he, he did live in London uh, for years and he, he loved the public transport there. He'd, he'd use it all the time. So I think coming from London and, and then going to essentially, you know, not a well-functioning public transport system would be incredibly frustrating. Mm. And then going to have to drive everywhere again. It's a big change. It struck me, if this is the country's first ever underground railway, for some people who don't travel much outside of New Zealand or haven't been outside New Zealand, this might be the first time they've ever been on an underground train. Yeah, maybe, That's mate. That's a good I, point. I, th- I think a lot of people, um, I don't know, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I think a lot of people that live in Auckland would have been overseas, done a bit of travelling, lived abroad, yeah. things like that, young professionals, things like that. I think that, I think, I think I kind of, in the video, um, the guy you interviewed, and he said, you know, really big public um, support. I was like, yeah, I bet that's a lot of people that have lived overseas and that just like get a get a metro, you know, get a decent underground system so we can get to work so we don't have to, you know, mess around in traffic every day. Because it's crazy as well that the, the train lines don't actually link up, right? So this is linking up the east and the west so you can actually get in 
from the east to the west into the city. It it blew my mind. I thought that I thought they had I don't know, like an overground or something, you know? They would get you into the city. But um yeah, it's it's pretty crazy that they're only just doing this now in what, two thousand twenty three, when it's gonna open in twenty four, twenty five or whatever we said. I, I just can't imagine it. I can't imagine working in like a downtown like my idea of working in like a downtown or anywhere in like the center of a city, I automatically think of getting public transport. That's immediately what I think of. Like I remember even going on um like a business trip in um years ago in Hamburg in Germany and I was staying in the center of the city, but I was going to an office in the outskirts, and my immediate thought was I would just get the metro. And there was there was a decent metro there, and it functioned. It was it was super cheap, like a couple euros to go from A to B, and um, yeah, it was just like for me, it was like a given. So culturally, this sounds it sounds so alien. Like I can't imagine like working in an office in Auckland and going, yeah, I'm going to drive in. Like that doesn't seem. It seems to me like trains is like so part of that culture. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like commuting in, listening to, you know, the world's best construction podcast on your way in and way out. You know, it's it's like it's a given, <laughs> ain't it? It's a given. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's did you was it a culture shock for you, mate? Moving from I know it's Sydney, but like it's comparable. Moving back from somewhere like London after years and years of like just using the tube and a lot of public transport to somewhere that doesn't have that infrastructure. Yeah, definitely, mate. This was one of the first things I noticed. I was like, oh, okay, I have, to, I have to usually drive if I want to get. We weren't living near a convenient train station. You'd have to drive. You'd have to get dropped off there. It was like a ten minute, fifteen minute drive. You couldn't park there. I was like, all oh, right, okay. So we're back to, you know, back to my early days kind of thing. It was quite funny actually. When I first went to London, I had just turned nineteen and I'd never been on a train. And um, I was trying to navigate the London tube map, and I was like, what the hell is going on? I was like, I could not believe it. Like, I was like, it took me months to figure it out. I was like, what's going on? Um, yeah, but it was definitely a culture. You were age back. 19. But now, but now, first time, first time yeah. we were on a train. Yeah, when I, when I first went over. Yeah, it was in London, mate. Wow. I mean, I went on like mini ones and like the local gardens back home, you know, the little little toy ones that take you. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes they are more reliable than Southwestern Railway. I'll tell you, I'll tell you now. At least you know where it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bit crazy. more background for people on this. Uh, so the actual rail line is called the New City Rail Link or CRL. Again, does what it says in the tin. Needs a better name. Who's famous from New Zealand? Sam Neil from Jurassic Park is from New Zealand. Maybe call it the oh. Sam Neil Line. Ooh. I don't know, something like that. We, we can we can work on that later. But anyway, the yeah. City Rail Link, or CRL, as it's now been abbreviated to, is a twin tunnel rail line running only 3.5 kilometers from the middle of the central business district out to this southern suburb called Mount Eden. It's New Zealand's biggest ever transport infrastructure project, which is pretty cool. Um, there's going to be two new stations built, and it's going to plug into two existing stations, which are going to be upgraded some really cool stuff around this. So it started in 2018 and tunneling completed in 2022. Because of its, because it's a bit shallow in places, like some of the routes and the lines is very, very shallow. They used a cut and cover construction technique for the tunnel where basically they dig an open kind of trench above ground, put a tunnel in and then cover it back over again. They were doing that through parts of the central business district. Then they used uh, tunnel boring machines, like conventional tunnel boring machines or TBMs to construct the rest of it. Um, one of the most interesting things I found about that is that 
completion was due to be 2024, but it might now go back a little bit due to COVID because they had a few like stop starts due to these snap lockdowns that New Zealand kept having. Like if they found one case or if someone sneezed crossing the road, it was like, whoa, this is it. We're locking down. No one's going out. (laughs) Shut down. They had to get these special exemptions because if you stop a tunnel boring machine mid-tunnel, uh, do like an unplanned stop, it takes ages to move them again because basically if you stop the TBM, the ground around it mm. compacts and settles and basically pinches the TBM in place. So you could end up with this enormous bit of kit being stuck underground midway through a tunnel. Um, and I guess you just have to like manually dismantle it. It'd be a right mess. So yeah, they got special exemptions to carry on working through the COVID lockdowns to keep the thing going. So there was a few stop starts, there was a few bits of uncertainty, but more or less they were able to keep going. And uh, yeah, yeah, they're currently if the official date is twenty twenty four, but there's rumours that it might slip a little bit. So, mate, I have a question with the um, with the TBMs and the actual navigation. Um, if I heard this right, is it to, it's for them to map out the direction it goes? They take satellite footage like satellite observations then they map that with surveying tools and that feeds to the tbm to the course that it should be taking is that how it works yes mate, yeah very yeah simple so use way. satellite imagery g yeah it's like satellite imagery and gps data to basically tell the tbm where it is on the planet how high it is how deep it is how far it's gone um, wow. And they, they do like to millimeter accuracy. It's incredible. It always amazes me when they dig tunnels from two sides. Like the Channel Tunnel back in the day was obviously dug from the UK and France, and they met perfectly in the middle within like a centimeter's tolerance. It's madness how you can do that with wow. like, basically blind under the sea. Yeah, but the kind of the GPS and laser guiding and tracking they use is uh, yeah pretty remarkable. Mm. The name. City Rail Link. Let's go back to that. It's really, really bad. <laughs> back up, back up. It's really bad. It's really, really, really cringe. And it's City Rail Link. Come on. Come on. Audrey, just Audrey Audrey DLR DLR just what is the Docklands Night Railway, isn't it? So I, Yeah, but DLR's in a league of its own, mate. So yeah. <laughs> Like we don't need to at the DLR today. No, we don't. The sit I don't know. I would call it I would either go for something like a bit funky or keep it simple. Like you know it's called like the London Underground, yeah? Call it the Auckland Metro. Yeah? Not C C R L. What's that? What's that? Like people oh, do you want to catch the CRL? No, do you want to get on the metro? Ah, mm. oh, it's, it makes so much more sense. And you could just put like Metro in the station, like logo or something like that. Go on, but Liam. What, Go does, on, mate. Yeah, mate. You see me bite my lip. Like um, City Rail <laughs> Link, though. That, that kind of makes <laughs> that kind of makes sense because it's linking up with the rail link, the the existing rail lines into the city. City Rail Link. Oh, but it but does what it says on the tin. It does what it says on the tin. One hundred percent. Like you know, you know what you're getting with the city rail link. It's not really, it's not really a metro. Yeah. I mean, can you call it a metro? It's a, it's one line, it's two, 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 two stations, isn't it? I don't know if you can classify that as a metro. It's like it's a line. <laughs> well, the um, plan I've, I've is just... to expand it, ain't it? The plan is to. Go on, Fred. Sorry, mate. Oh, no, no, this is this is not. Um, you were going to make a much more substantial point. I was just, I was googling famous people from New Zealand. <laughs> we've got, <laughs> we've got, um, we've got Lord, the singer Lord, yeah, won three yep. Grammy Awards. Russell Crowe, 
Always good for a punch up. Well, Russell. Russell Crowe's um, from New Zealand. Apparently, yeah. I think he says he's from Australia. Are born in Wellington. Oh, does I he? he an <laughs> um, Who else we got? Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. The legend Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. Legend. <laughs> Sam uh, from Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Alan Grant is from New Zealand. Uh, Keith Urban, who's married to Nicole Kidman. And then I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of then scraping the barrel. Um, Liam Marsh, obviously. Uh, Sonny Bill <laughs> Williams. Oh, yeah. Apparently the sexiest rugby player alive is what it says on this website. Um, I'm scraping. Martin Henderson from Grey's Anatomy. I mean, oh, Edmund Hillary, who, who was the first man to climb Mount Everest. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been some, been yeah. some good. Oh, Jacinda Ardern, of course, the famous lot- Prime Minister, just resigned. Oh. <laughs> and um, probably just a lot of rugby players after that. Yeah. Yeah. What about the All Blacks? Like, Jonah Lomu. Oh, the line should be black. Call it the All Blacks line. I, I'd be, I'd be down for that. I love the Air New Zealand planes. CRL, mate. Yeah, New Zealand. A seat liberies. New Zealand, best airline. Very smart. Yeah, really good. Really good airline. It's one of my them and Singapore Airlines are my favourite airlines to travel with. New Zealand trying to bring it back to the railway. He's like, yeah, the CRL. Um, the CRL, we're like, ah, yeah, New Zealand, all black. So I'm going to chat like Russell Crowe. He's going redder and redder, mate. He's like going red. He's like, <laughs> back um, can we get back to the CRL, please? Oh, I wish we could, <laughs> wish we could mute you like on Zoom, mate. <laughs> oh, cheers, mate. Go on, Luke. Say something, say something serious about the, about the was, important no, infrastructure project. I was just going to say... I was just going to say the CRL sounds like a stat. It just sounds like something like you'd be in an office and you'd be like, oh, what's the CRL today? <laughs> oh, it's five. <laughs> oh, that's not good. I need to get that down. Do you know what I mean? Like, CRL's right. down this month. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the CRL's down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need an iron infusion, mate. Um, I don't know. It just, it's, it's, it's not doing it for me. Keith Urban, he's a country singer. And he's another one who apparently says he's um, New Zealand born, but Australian. What's going on, Liam? You've even done this. You're even like... I've not done this. Left not you- once. <laughs> you have 100% <laughs> done this. I have not. You choose always- your nationality based on which way is the wind blowing. You're either British, Australian, or New Zealand, depending what, depending where the wind's blowing, mate. I'll, I'll never say I'm Australian. Never. I'll never do that, mate. But I will switch between New Zealand and British, to the way I'm feeling. Yeah, fair play, mate. Fair play. I respect that. I respect it. But do you know what? Um, it, it, they, you said in the video, you started off the video with um, saying Auckland is one of the most livable cities in, on the planet. But um, and I can imagine that. To be honest, it does. It does look really pretty. But um, and I, I, I can imagine like you got access to lots of different things, like opportunities and healthcare or whatever. But um, I'm I'm shocked that the people writing this like oh yeah Auckland most livable city and yet you, you can't like get from A to B on a train that was within it the was city. voted most livable during the COVID pandemic when everyone thought Australia and New Zealand was uh, this kind of like sealed nirvana where COVID didn't exist and everyone was living a happy life all the celebs decamped didn't they to Australia. It was Did during that, that yeah. time. Yeah. There was loads of... Because there's this thing about Australia letting in movie stars and movie stars moving down there to have a lockdown-free life. 
Yeah. Unreal, mate. Right, okay. So now that's not really... Now that's kind of history. Has Auckland gone down in the list of most livable <laughs> cities? I think, I believe Vienna in Austria has topped it now. So it's still pretty oh, up there, right. but yeah. And livable is always from a certain point of view, isn't it? You know, it's quite old Obi-Wan from a certain point of view. Um, I think... That was good. You know, you've got to have... That was good. That was a good friend. accent. <laughs> <laughs> I could do I could do nineteen seventies uh, Alec Guinness. That's it. <laughs> That's what put, I can do. Put it on your CV. Put it on your CV. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm going to work more on my impressions now, Fred. You've made me self conscious about it. I'm going to go Sorry, to my missus now and be like, "Am I good at accents? <laughs> Am I still, do I still please you with my accents?" <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. I'm I don't sorry. know. But but for me, Auckland, it seems like a place where um, if I would live there, well, uh, let, let me start again. It seems like a lot of people grow up in like, New Zealand, end up moving out of New Zealand. That's that's something that I've noticed, right? Could be could be wrong, could be just an observation, could be that I just know Liam. Um, <laughs> but then it, it seems like a city that like what, you know, it, it hasn't got like the international stage of like somewhere like Sydney or Melbourne, maybe. I don't know. Um, well, why, so I always, have, I always take a little bit of... It's far away from everything. <laughs> far away from everything, and it's not mentioned. It's not mentioned. Yeah, fair, fair. fair. Oh, mentioned. Like, it, was a, it was a genuine it's, question. It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not that it's necessarily fair, right? I'm just, yeah. It's just an observation as someone who's in Europe. It's like I yeah, hear yeah. more about like, oh, yeah, this happened in Sydney or like this yeah. concert happened in Sydney I'll tell you where I see New Zealand a lot, um, when they're like, oh, it's New Year's over in New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs) First to see the sun, sunrise or whatever. First to see the New Year. Yeah, sorry, I'm being well out of order. I've been well out of order. Isn't the distance thing thing a matter of perspective? Because like, surely people in Auckland are like, why is the rest of the world so far away? For them, Auckland's well. When close, there's only me. five, when there's only one point five million of you saying that, mate, it's it's a little bit outweighed by yeah. everyone else who's in the northern hemisphere or yeah. west or wherever. You know, well, that's that's mm. one of the um, shocks I had, Luke, coming back, coming back here. I was just like, oh wow, okay, where am I going to go on holiday? I'm like, all right, Southeast Asia, I suppose. It's like an eight, twelve hour flight away. I was like, oh okay, that's that's going to annoy me. I can't just do a weekend what? trip to like Spain or Italy or something like that. You know what I mean? So that was that was a big thing for me. Mm. There, there was actually a TikTok that was going viral about a uh, lass who'd moved from I think it was New Zealand or Australia, and um, she's living in London, and she just books like a cheap like I think it was like a two day holiday to Amsterdam, and she like couldn't believe it. She was like, I don't. It's hard to get your head around that I can just like get a. What is it to Amsterdam from London? Like 40 minutes, half an hour, like flight. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like kind of the norm if you want it. But also there's a lot of people in Europe that don't take advantage of that. There's a lot of people that I know who are like born and bred in England or even family of mine elsewhere in like Poland or something. They don't travel. They they don't even go to other places. And that's a real shame as well. Mm. Well, Have you you guys traveled much to Europe? I, I find that interesting as well. A lot of English friends, I'm like... Oh, you just go, you just go skiing um, in Austria, and you just go to Spain in the summer. I was like, have you been to like um, Poland or like 
you know, any of those sort of countries? It's, it's never. No, I've, I've been to like Poland. Prague? I've been it's to Poland. Prague, I've not been to Prague. I do want to go to Prague. I've been to, mm. I've been to quite a few European countries. Yeah, but like more. I, I need to do more. I want to do a road trip for it. But that is that is the advantage of like having everything just on your doorstep. Going back to Fred's Fred's question, probably, and I think that's why you know even at the beginning of the conversation, you were like, "Look, this is you know one of the first projects we're covering on the B one M for New Zealand." I think another part of that, or even that we're talking about it now, another part of that is it, it, it can be forgotten. And again, I'm not I'm not saying that's necessarily like a good thing or a fair thing. Mm. Um, it's just very much the way it is with us being in this part of the world, or even with with Liam being in like Oceania. You know, it's Oceania. it's a place where you're like, oh, right. Oceania, Oceania. <laughs> when you say I'm in Oceania, I just still think if you prop up the bar. With a with a WKD, does and some cheese. WKD, <laughs> getting, getting in with an underage oh, ID. <laughs> Those are the days. <laughs> Did you drink Those the blue the one, Luke? Uh, Fred, you're a blue kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, mate. Back then, it was alcoholic and cheap. Count me in. It's pretty much still yeah. safe now. I want to throw in one more, one more little fact, one more little factoid I want to talk about is the the actual TBM they used to dig this because it just blows my mind. This I think it's so interesting. So the TBM uh, TBMs around the world, whenever they're using these tunnel boring machines to dig tunnels, they often get named after famous women, so famous influential women or female engineers. It's kind of a bit of a trend worldwide. So the one that they used to dig these to dig these tunnels was called the Dame Wiener Cooper, who was a she was like a uh, women's rights, a Maori women's rights campaigner in New Zealand. Um, TBM was seven point six million dollars for the for the bit of kit. It's one hundred and thirty meters long. Cutter plate was over seven meters wide. Um, it was built by a German company in southern China, and then shipped ten thousand kilometers from Guangzhou down to Auckland, all just to dig three point five kilometers of New Zealand Kiwi soil. Like I, that's just what a global like undertaking to get that to get that to happen. The thing dug forward by thirty two meters every day. Normal normal TBMs do about twenty twenty four meters. The one, the one that I went on and did a, did a piece to camera on a very noisy piece to camera on for HS two was going forward mm. by about twenty to twenty four meters a day. So yeah, it, I, amazing, amazing bit of kit, amazing part of the story. Yeah, I, I was um, pretty impressed by that. I'm so excited for people in Auckland. And for people in New Zealand to like get their first first um, experience of riding the tube, mate, you know, <laughs> going on the underground, and it's the dream, yeah, isn't it? It must be it's like dream. I couldn't imagine two minutes, stop to stop. Must be yeah. like two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but it is going to expand, isn't it? It is going to expand. Am I am I missing something here? It's not like the metro isn't just the two stops, is it, Fred? No, there's two new stations, and then there's two existing stations. But I think I think there might be four in total. Like, it's not a lot. It's only three point five kilometers. Like, that's a, that's a fun run, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not far. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm on the wiki page, and it, it it it's it's got proposed lines. There's proposed lines for it to go quite far, like to Swanson, Liam Swanson in the northwest. It's and an then English word, mate. Down to um, <laughs> Why are you asking Papa, me how to Papa, Papa, Papa Kura? 
Yeah, Papakura. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Swanson. Papakura. Yeah, you got it. That's the one. Swanson. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to you to say, like, right, is that a place? Is that, well, oh, it's I, on a map. Of course it's a place. But really, yeah, mate. I don't know where just, it is. But, it's conversational. Yeah. yeah. It is conversational. conversational. I'm thinking of uh, Dumb and Dumber now. It's like Swanson, Samsonite. That's what it is. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's what I was thinking of. Mary Swanson. Swanson. Yeah. <laughs> Samsonite. Anyway, I know. So it's written good. right there. It's written right there on the case. That's as good yeah. as money, sir. Those are IOUs. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Guys, let us know what you thought about this. Do you know, is there anyone else famous from New Zealand who we've missed? What should we call the CRL? What should the CRL be renamed as? We're going to get a petition going and use the influence of the B1M to actually name a piece of infrastructure down in New Zealand. I think it's, I think it's eminently doable. It's eminently doable. Get your comments coming in. Send us your, send us your feedback. Let us know what you think. Podcast at the B1M.com. Also in the news this week, we are heading over to Toronto, where the city's skyscraper boom is continuing with the announcement of two new towers uh, designed by Adrian Smith and Gordon Gill Architecture, the geniuses behind some of the world's tallest buildings. These aren't that notable, but they're basically two new 75-storey structures, both announced together and rising within a block of each other on Yonge Street. Um, around some heritage buildings. They are separate developments, but designed by the same architects and sort of designed to complement each other and being constructed at the same time, which is interesting. Um, So yeah, both rising 245 metres above the city. We did some stuff on Toronto's skyscraper boom last year, but basically the city's got a, a rising population, there's a housing crisis, and then there's very, very strict zoning rules around where tall buildings can and can't be constructed. And what that's done is driven this huge boom in skyscrapers on the areas where tall buildings can be constructed as developers try and maximise value from those sites. So where they're allowed to build high-rise, they want to build high-rise to yeah, maximise value and get around the city's planning laws. Um, pretty incredible that 90% of the city's new towers are either residential or contain at least some residential units. The issue is that, as with many cities, there's a bit of an explosion in luxury unaffordable apartments that developers Mm. sell to people just to store money in and make their return rather than actually solving the housing crisis or adding to the fabric and value of the city that might be what's happening here but it's a bit of a trend so yeah what do you think of these i like them mate i like them i don't think they set the world on fire but i don't think they're designed to um i like the shapes um they're skinny Right, they're quite slender towers, but they're not like too slender. Um, yeah, I I kind of like them, and I think it's always impressive when they can fit a skyscraper. Like in the third, is it the third photo, or the fourth, fourth photo? You can see there's this uh, row of houses with like a coffee shop and that, and literally in the garden of that those what would have been cafes or houses, whatever they are building one of these these skyscrapers like that is so ridiculously impressive in 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 my opinion um there's a lot of layers to a conversation like this like you said fred but toronto mate that that is it's a boom at the moment if if you guys didn't know toronto is 20th um 
in the global ranks of cities with the most skyscrapers on the planet. And when you think like that top 20 is like 80% Chinese cities, a lot of which you, you're probably not super familiar with, that is really, really, really impressive. Really, really impressive. So, yeah, mate, this this boom is um, it's getting out of hand, isn't it? It's getting out of hand. It's mental. Yeah, what do you think, Liam? Mm. Yeah, I think they're all good. I think they blend with the with the city skyline quite nicely. They sort of just fit in there. I don't think they're too over the top. Um, mm. Sort of like you said, Luke. They're quite like they're quite subtle. Um, yeah, mm. they're nice. Yeah, I, I, I like the way in the so we put this on our Instagram account and across the social media. But on Instagram, the the fourth image shows how the base of the tower rises up behind these heritage buildings, which are being retained. I really like the way you've got a big housing development, a big high-rise development happening, but they've designed mm. the base of the tower to kind of step back and only cantilever and step out once it's cleared the heritage buildings. Obviously, it's a huge, massive 75-story glass-imposing building now rising directly behind some heritage buildings. Uh, I know some people in the architecture circle who will absolutely hate the idea of that. But the fact that those heritage buildings have been retained, they've been refurbished, they've been kept within the cityscape, and this new development's able to happen around it, I think is awesome. Yeah, I I really like this. As you said, it's not setting the world on fire, but it's not supposed to. It's just fitting in with the city, and I think it's a yeah nice project. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Also in the news this week, Boston Dynamics, the US-based uh, robotics company, released a new video of their robot Atlas, which is the stand-up walking one, the one that actually looks like a human being, not Spot the Dog. This is an actual stand-up walking freaky human being helping out on a construction site. Um, worth saying, they probably didn't have a health and safety expert watch over this video beforehand because there's a lot of issues with this. The guy's not wearing his gloves or glasses, the human being that's helping them, he's not wearing sight boots, and then you've got this robot walking like walking across scaffold planks with no edge protection doing backflips pushing blocks off scaffold all the things you shouldn't be doing in a health and safety or a construction site environment but putting aside that issue it's pretty cool i think it goes to the the heart of trying to solve the industry's efficiency problem and and skilled labor shortage problem and mm-hmm. it looks pretty cool because you've got a robot walking around jumping passing construction tools about what do, you, what do you guys make of this one? Does it does it matter that there's no um, safety barriers and things like that because it's a robot? If you know what I mean. Do you need all that stuff? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, Probably not. I'm like, in terms of like, as, as a big Arnold video that's got millions of views on the internet that should be setting an example, it's not great. Yeah. You guys, I was just gonna say, it, it's super impressive. I, I feel like it's an animated movie and not actually real. Like the way it does a flip. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do yeah. you see that as well? It doesn't look real. Yeah. 100%. Like it, even the way they're using the camera, it looks like it's been done in a studio and this is CGI. Yeah. Um, it It's odd. It's odd because, and I think I've read something about this um, like last, sometime last year, that there's something about this and, you know, the dogs, the robot dogs that Boston Dynamics have made as well, that there's something in our brain that says, oh, that walks and acts like an organic being, you know, like an actual something from the real, real world, right? Biological animals or whatever. 
and yet we know it's not. And so there is something about it that is a little bit fearful. Like at the back of our heads, there is something that's like, that can't be real. Mm-hmm. That can't be real. Like we refuse to acknowledge that we're, we're at this point. And to be honest, it is a little bit scary, isn't it? But then when you think of like the benefits of something like this, you know, if you were to, um, what was it a few months ago, Fred, you were saying like robots were building something in like a nuclear power station or something. Or, or yeah. there was somewhere, right? Yeah, because yeah. it's it's a lot better to do that than to send humans in, right? Absolutely, it's a lot safer. Same with that uh, swarm tunnel robot thing we spoke about. It's safer to put robots in than humans in many instances. Yeah. So yeah, going back to the health and safety thing, if a robot gets uh, gets damaged, it's not it's not a human life that's been put put in danger, but it is a expensive bit of kit that you might have lost. So <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask Fred if um. Do you fancy your chances at an arm wrestle with the robot, mate? How do you think you'd go? <laughs> Bring it on. I think Bring Fred would win. Imagine. Imagine Fred what would win. that would be. <laughs> Fred Mills versus Robot. I'd lose. I'd lose badly, I think. <laughs> the robot would need, like, oil, like WD-40 on its joints and that, and then Fred would just put baby oil on him, and he'd do it topless, wouldn't he? Are we in one of your dreams right now? Is this like like a fantasy in your head that you're reading out here? It could be, mate. Could be. Pay-per-view, mate. B1M live. Fred Mills versus Boston Dynamics robot. Mate, that'd be like bigger than the Logan Paul fights and that. Huge. (laughs) Huge, mate. We'll look into it again. Mint. No idea is a bad idea at brainstorming stage. We'll put a pin in that one. Might come back to it. We'll see. We'll see how we, see how we go. Um, now, moving on quickly to Rome, where the world's largest urban solar farm has been put forward. So, a few podcasts ago, we talked about Ukraine and Odessa putting forward a bid for Expo 2030. They wanted to put forward a design to build a new Expo Park, partly designed by Zahardid Architects, uh, ready for hosting Expo 2030. There's a few cities pitching for Expo 2030 at the minute, and surprise, surprise, Rome is one of them. So this Mm. huge new urban solar farm would basically form the basis of their Expo Park. It's designed by CRA Architects, whole new districts as part of Rome, which will be powered by renewable energy generated from these square-shaped energy trees which feature photovoltaics on them. So they've got these kind of like... Yeah, square-shaped canopies, canopies, <laughs> square-shaped canopies mixed in amongst with trees and stuff. Mm-hmm. You could do square-shaped canopies mixed in as well. You know, a few bits of uh, salmon and cream cheese, you know, passed around, little mini sausages, whatever you want to do. But they're supposed to be square-shaped energy trees mixed in around these sort of normal trees. Uh, the whole thing would extend over one hundred fifty thousand square meters and have a thirty-six megawatt peak, which is pretty impressive. So. Again, this has been put forward. We shared it out on tomorrow's Bill's social media. It might not be built. The decision on where Expo 2030 is actually going to be held is being decided Mm. in November 2023. So we will bring you news of that when it happens. Can you guys uh, see yourself here? Yeah, I think it looks cool. I think it's beautiful. Very futuristic. I mean, I love that they've got a, mm. a, a a drone helicopter there. Whenever I see like futuristic renders or, or plans like this, they always throw that in there. It's a nice, nice touch. It makes me. I'm like, wow. And they've got like little, um, little. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming they are autonomous electric little carts taking people around 
on the fourth slide. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's cool. Cool oh, initiative. Oh yeah. Yeah, right. And they've got the yeah. little heliports, flying drone cars, drone taxis, whatever you want to call them. Classic. Because that's how we'll be driving in the future. Yeah. Classic. I feel like you know the uh, you know that there's the chef Salt Bay who got in loads of trouble at the end of the World Cup for going on the pitch and oh. picking up the trophy and stuff. You know the way he seasons stuff, like he sort of just does like funny like seasoning thing with his hand. Mm. I imagine there's like some senior architect that goes around the architect's practices, looks at a render and is like Flick on some trees, flick on some drones, flick on a drone <laughs> helicopter, you make it look futuristic. Flick on a robot, yeah. flick on a driverless car, done. Now it is done. It can go out the door on the internet. <laughs> and they're always German, apparently, right, Fred? Yeah. <laughs> they're always German. <laughs> Mate, that German was my Scottish impression. That was yeah. my Scottish impression. What are you saying? Was it? Was yeah. it? Oh, okay. All right. Uh, not bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> I think it looks good. I think it looks really, really, really good, actually. I wouldn't be surprised if um, this wins because sometimes the best answer or the best um, proposal is the most simple one. And, I, you know, I think this is actually pretty simple, isn't it? It's pretty straightforward. And I, I like that. And I like that it's in Rome, um, you know, a cradle, arguably a cradle of Western civilization. Um, yeah, it, I, I think this looks great. I think this looks really, really good. I, I would, I'd be up for going. Mm. Nice. Well, let us know who you think should win Expo twenty thirty, guys. Uh, I think it was hard. It's hard not to give it to Ukraine, isn't it? I don't know. It's um, yeah. There's a lot it's of like Eurovision all over again, mate. It's like Eurovision, it's like Eurovision all over again. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they could win it, but host it in Rome, like we're doing with Eurovision, hosting it yeah. in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, guys, let us know what you think about this. Who should win Expo 2030? Uh, now, we're going over to uh, the comments corner again because we've got some lovely stuff coming in. You guys are on a roll now, as always. We've got lovely emails happening. What you got for us this week, Luke? Right. This is from Matthew Wellington. Okay. He sent this in like the other day and he goes, Dear Fred, Luke, and Liam, aka the gentleman. Okay, uh, strap yourselves in, boys, because he's not saying this. I'm saying this uh, because <laughs> he, he, he's 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 written some he's written some good stuff. He says, following on from a five star review left under no duress on Spotify, I just wanted to say that as a young-ish marketing bid manager within the industry, I cannot thank you enough for providing the next generation with an outlet to showcase the very best of engineering and construction. For far too long, the industry has been misunderstood and poorly represented, preferring traditional approaches to marketing and its media. The YouTube channel was a revelation and deserves all the success. That's a nice little intro, isn't it, Fred? My Very days. nice. Like, this, is, uh, this is not my burner account, just to clarify. This is a genuine guy. I love that he's called Matthew Wellington and he's in the New Zealand podcasts. What are yeah. the chances of that, eh? There is some poetry. Slim. Well, he does He does um, tell us where he's from in a bit, but he says, having worked for both a contract and engineering consultant, I have seen different approaches, technical understanding, personalities and values, but always one constant, resolute 
dedication. Our industry is something to be proud of, and the B1M certainly enforces that. I think it also is worth highlighting that as an industry with one of the highest average worker ages, I believe the B1M can play a crucial role in enticing young people into our world. It has certainly helped me show my friends why I find engineering and construction fascinating. Although I do work in sleepy ye old Norwich, so there's not a lot of world-class builds taking place nearby. We do, however, <laughs> have the Sainsbury's Centre, which became Avengers HQ in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, that's, that's a bit cool. of a shout, ain't it? Yeah. This guy is an incredible writer. Whoever, like, whichever one of us, yeah, has the persona of Matthew Wellington, <laughs> with, with, they're a very good writer. I'm not sure if he... Did he send in an email or a short novel? Yeah, basically, both. Bit of both, mate. Oh, it's really nice stuff. Like, I can't thank that i can't thank you enough matthew because we we try so hard to be different and to make construction accessible and to reach out to a young audience and to engage people and try and show the world what this industry is really like you know our strapline our company mission is that we love construction and we want the whole world to love it too so to get feedback like that from people like yourself is awesome mate i really really appreciate it i mean if it's luke or liam then not so much but if it is a genuine person called matthew wellington <laughs> then we um we really appreciate it. any mention of witty banter or the music no well he 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 does go on to say like um well, he, goes on. he knows he goes what on. it's like it, it, he knows what it's like to do a podcast he did an nba podcast for a while um but he says uh the sound quality and everything's great and you make it look and sound easy so i'm just you know he does say that. Um, and then he goes on to say, right, after this ramble. So he acknowledges it's a ramble. He's he goes got on a question. Again. Chapter two. He's, 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 got, he's, got, Classic he's got a question for us, right? I think some... <laughs> That's how you I'm going to find out. Your head is the music yeah. is great. <laughs> the intro is probably the best I've heard. <laughs> We better, we, better, we better keep reading this out. It's, it's more of a way to go. Go on. He says, he says, right. I think some fun is required to bring it to a close uh, after the ramble. So on the back of your television discussion at the end of the other week's episode, I'm curious to know what your favorite moments in cinema are that take place on or around construction sites or infrastructure. Um, two of my favorites are the chase scene at the start of Casino Royale. And Ooh. the Riggs versus Travis fight in Lethal Weapon 3, which sees Mel Gibson's character wreck a bunch of timber frame buildings. <laughs> I love it. Wait, does he so go good. on again? What's, what's he saying next? No, that's it. Next, next paragraph. Says, keep up the no. great work. Keep, keep up the great work. Does he finish the email then? Tell me he finishes then. No, we're done now, mate. We're done. <laughs> It's lovely, though, isn't it? I needed to it include a lot of it. You know? Yeah, no, we really yeah, appreciate it. So, I'm taking the piss. We really appreciate your email, Matthew. Thank you. <laughs> I, I immediately think of the Mission Impossible where, um, or is it or is it Fast and Furious, where they drive a car. No, it's Fast and Furious. They drive a car from one skyscraper to another skyscraper, I think, in Dubai. Yeah, it's mental. Would never happen. It's It's everything that is wrong or maybe right from a certain point of view with mm. Fast and Furious. So that's a shout 
from I've me. I've got countless Fred, examples. Fred, have you got any ideas? Right? Yeah, I've got countless Go examples. There, there are too many, really. There's like whenever I see somewhere I know appearing in Star Wars, like the Barbican or Canary Wharf in London, I sit bolt upright from the sofa and go, oh, look at this, it's so cool. There's obviously the Chrysler yep. building being hit by missiles in Godzilla. Iconic moment. Um, not oh, not yeah. a great film, but iconic moment. For me, I think, and I find this I find this sequence hard to watch, but Tom Cruise's outdoor climb of the Burj Khalifa in that Mission Impossible yeah. movie where he's got the gloves on, I, my heart rate, I cannot breathe watching it. It's like my worst nightmare. It's terrifying. Um, I think he actually did that stunt for real. There's a famous photo of him sat on the top of the spire of the Burj Khalifa, mm-hmm. just chilling out in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt. Uh, insane. That, that for me, because obviously construction, skyscrapers, amazing feats of engineering, cool movies. That's probably top for me. Yeah, mm. great shout, mate. Liam, have you got any thoughts, mate? You got? A oh, mate, I would of? probably choose uh, one of the scenes in The Departed when on the construction site. I think where Matt Damon and Leonardo DiCaprio confront each other. Probably my mate. It's probably one. It's one of my favourite movies. Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt <laughs> Damon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's good. I'm not sure. I've so just that, had another one. I'm not sure if he might have actually mentioned this in his email, but the the Casino Royale free-running scene where they fight across the, the tower cranes. I think that might be what he means. It's oh, through yeah. a construction site. It's not the yes. opening, but it's like just after the opening. It's um, No, uh, yeah, that's I think cool that's scene. what he's talking about. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree thought you would have... I thought you would have said something like Spider-Man, Fred, like s- s- spidying through the city, shooting the web out. <laughs> what? What? I, <laughs> I just tell you it was like a Marvel what? fan. Is it Marvel? No, I'm not a Marvel fan. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I love all Disney stuff. Ah. I, just, I just never really got into Marvel. Not really my thing. So. Oh, fair. I'll take yeah. that back, mate. Yeah. Anyway, guys, keep your emails coming in. I kind of want to add, maybe, maybe a little bit shorter. Keep, keep them focused on cool stuff. Nice people. I mean, maybe a little bit shorter. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we, we, we love you, <laughs> I've been so mean about the length of his email. I'm so sorry. He's been so complimentary as well. Oh, dear. Right. Guys, keep your emails coming in. Podcast at the B1M.com. We have really enjoyed this episode. You probably tell, but a good old laugh on this one. Uh, and we will see you next week. That was funny, man. That was a funny chat. That was a funny chat. We're having a good day today.